an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, we're going to go full wrestling mode. A huge amount of wrestling shows this weekend. There's three of them, but I'm only going to cover two of them on today's episode. One from WWE, one from AEW, one taking place tomorrow, Saturday afternoon. So if you're a big uh, partier on the weekend, on a Saturday night, this show will be over before then. So that'll work out perfect for you. And then Sunday we got AEW's pay-per-view all out. Uh, that'll be in the evening. So And you'll get ready for your Monday day at work, but why not cap it off with some wrestling? And I got to say, folks, this is going to be a huge weekend for the wrestling fans. There's just so much to chew on, so much to enjoy. If you're a fan of both companies, this is just easy peasy for you, right? Like, just enjoy it and consume it all. Those of you that are, like, weird, like, only AEW stands, anti-WWE or pro-WWE and anti-AEW, you're just weird, man. Like, I don't know why you got to take that stance. If you're a true wrestling fan, you just want it all to be good. Now, have I been a little bit more critical of AEW lately? Yeah, but, you know, I am I feel like I can give fair criticisms on the things that I love. It's not that I don't like AEW, but there's a lot of things right now that they're doing that I don't think... Uh, they're they're kind of backtracking a bit, you know, instead of moving forward. Even though they've got a huge amount of talent on that roster, there's a couple of things where I think they could get a little better at. But that, I'm just fairly criticizing, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean I'm a hater or I'm, like, pro-WWE and anti-AEW. No, that's not the case. And, and for those of you that have listened to this show... You know I have been hugely critical of WWE over the last couple of years. Even, I can't tell you how many times I've quit WWE on this show. Like, that's how bad it's been. But, you know, the regime has changed. Vince McMahon is no, no longer in charge. Triple H is. So I'm going to give him, you know, a clean slate. And he's got the opportunity here. This is going to be his first true pay-per-view that's going to be run under his regime. And from what I've been seeing on Raw and SmackDown as of late, it is a giant improvement over what the show has been i want to say for like the last 20 years i mean you want to talk about since the days of like ruthless aggression you know the the show has kind of been like really stale you know you've it it's had its moments here and there throughout the years but on a consistent basis that has really been lacking and where wwe really fell off was kind of like in the fall of 2018 where it's just like it just nosedived and I have no idea what happened as far as like the creative mind of Vincent McMahon, but there was just a lot of stuff that was just, just didn't make sense. You know, inconsistent booking, uh, storylines dropped out of nowhere, weird people getting pushed, weird characters, weird, you know, names, dropping of the names and adding names, uh, just a, a lot of messiness. And I've been super critical of it. So for those of you that want to say that I'm only like critical of AEW, like, uh, uh, uh. Don't like don't don't even push that button because I've been fairly critical of both uh, companies. But there's also a lot of but the good actually outweighs the bad. But people like to focus on that stuff, so I don't know. It's weird, but either way, I'm excited for this weekend. Uh, we got WWE Clash at the Castle tomorrow. Again, that's going to be midday afternoon. It'll be on streaming on Peacock here in the U.S. and for everybody else internationally. If you're listening to this show, it's going to be on the WWE Network because uh, this paper is going to be emanating from Cardiff, Wales, overseas. That's why it's airing earlier in the states because you know usually all of the pay per views, all of the live events. All of the TV shows are usually on U.S. soil. And, uh, you know, we take that for granted. But I, I think this is going to be a plus for us because it will be during the day. And I, I'm all for that. No problems. Um, 
But before we get to Clash at the Castle, which I will be covering first, and then uh, AEW's All Out, I'll be giving you all my match predictions, who I think is going to win, and maybe some some storyline surprises that I think could happen at these events, but I don't really, you know, hedge my bets on that. You know, I, I like to just enjoy the product for what it is. I, I like to see what they delivered to me, and then I can, you know, judge it from there. Um I know I haven't been on the air, you know, the the movie slate has been kind of weak and I haven't really had a chance to go to the cinema so there hasn't been really much for me to cover. Um but TV-wise, we are one week away, folks, from Cobra Kai season 5, a new era of no mercy. Ayah! I cannot wait. Dropping next Friday on Netflix. I'm sure I'm going to binge the heck out of that in a couple hours. I'll have my kids over that weekend, so We'll all watch that together as a family, which has kind of become like a tradition. So it's kind of great that my weekends land on the weekend that Cobra Kai comes out. So it just works out perfectly. So um, you'll probably get a full review on that as I'll, I'll binge through the season pretty quickly. Try to make it as spoiler-free as I can because obviously it's going to be fresh in everybody's mind. And this will be like the first real season where things could really go anywhere. You know, everything was kind of culminating into what happened last season with the tournament and with Terry Silver returning. And so there's just a lot of unpredictability. I don't even want to try to guess what's going to happen this season. A lot of people have been asking me, hey, pals, what do you think is going to happen here, here? And I tell everybody, like, I I honestly don't know. In the other seasons, you could kind of hint at maybe where they were headed. But now it's like it's a like they're not joking when they say that, like a whole new era of no mercy. Like this story can now go anywhere because they really tied up a lot of the the storylines last uh, season. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'm super excited and it can go anywhere. Unpredictability. And I like that in my shows. Now, do I want this show to go on forever? Absolutely not. I hope it has an end point. Um, I know the creators had said something about possibly six seasons and that's it. But this is probably, I want to say, right behind Stranger Things as the most popular show on Netflix. And that's that, you know, Cobra Kai is not even really a Netflix original series. You know, they passed on it. Originally, it went to YouTube Red, which was, uh, you know, in, in cooperation with Sony. And then, you know, they folded and Sony sold the rights to Netflix. So now they can, they can claim it as their own, but, you know, it's not really a Netflix original. So, you know, and, and not to harp on Netflix, you know, I only subscribe whenever Cobra Kai is coming on. Other than that, like, there's really nothing that interests me on that platform. Um, cause I think a chunk of it is just, it's just there. It's just content. It's mediocre. So. There's nothing really that catches my eye. And that that offends you. Like, you know, that big deal. <laughs> Tough it out. Tough shit. Um, but, yes, Cobra Kai in one week. I'm super pumped. And uh, the unpredictability factor is, is waning a lot. So you'll get my thoughts full on next week. There is a movie coming out that is gaining a little bit of momentum and buzz online. And the movie's called Barbarian. I think I saw the trailer, but I don't really remember much. Which is a good thing because one of the things they've been promoting about this movie is like go in as, you know, clean as you can, like not seeing any trailers, any clips, like don't read anything on it. Go in. They're saying it's pretty good. This looks to be like a thriller slash horror type of movie. Not really my bag, but it's getting a lot of great buzz and a lot of, you know, just hype. And I'll take it, right? Because we're in the month of September. There's not really much coming out. I think the only other movie that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, comes out at the end of the month, and that's Don't Worry Darling, starring uh, 
Florence Pugh and Chris Pine and directed by Olivia Wilde. And there's a whole onslaught of drama coming out of the behind the scenes of that movie, which I don't really get, want to get into because that's just that's gossip for gossip's sake. All I care about is the movie. Is it good or not? Like, that's what I care about. The behind the scenes and the making of it and any shenanigans going on on set doesn't matter to me. I care about the final product. So won't get into any of that. But there is that's the spiciness that's been going on in September. Not really much else going on. Box office is a, has been very slim. You know, the invitation came out last week, only made seven million. That was enough to be the number one movie at the box office, which is, you know, you, you read, you hear that number that I'm telling you, and it's pretty bad. Um, but that's because there's not much else. Uh, and the fact that there's not much coming out is our national theater chains, including our own, the one that I work at. We're doing a, a national cinema day where every movie in our theater, in any format, whether it's a regular screen. Uh, premium large format, uh, an IMAX screen, which we do have, everything will be $3. And that includes old movies and the new ones that just came out. So old is being the probably the oldest one we have is Top Gun Maverick because that's just survived everything. And that movie came out in May. And up until like the recent ones like Bullet Train with Brad Pitt and The Invitation, you know, you got a couple of other smaller, like not really known titles coming out. But everything will be $3. So if you got nothing to do tomorrow, uh, but try to get your tickets quick because I'm sure it's going to be like, I want to say this is going to be like the Black Friday for theaters, right? Because you got like a major, when when are, when have tickets ever been this cheap? <laughs> you go back to the days where like where I was a kid, like that's when tickets were like super cheap. Well, probably during like my parents' time, they can make that claim. But I remember tickets being $3 when I was a kid, so you know, we're going back to that time, uh, you know, where you could go see a movie over and over. You can even make a whole day out of it, right? Because if you can see, like, you can buy, like, four tickets, and that'll equal the price of one IMAX ticket. So, or not even, like, geez, like, well, I guess if you include tax and stuff. But either way, National Cinema Day is tomorrow, $3. $3 every movie, folks. Whatever we have available. Um, just check your local cinemas, check your showtimes, and... Try to get your tickets as fast as possible because every chain is doing it, and I'm sure the word online has been going everywhere. And you know, and our pre-sales have been incredible for it. So, you know, we got Top Gun returning to the IMAX, IMAX for three dollars at that Top Gun show. We got two shows in there, and that first one in the midday is already like completely gone. So, there you go. Um, yes, that that's what you'll have to look forward to as far as. Uh, my regular show, you know, Cobra Kai coming up. Um, Mighty Ducks Game Changers is coming up season two. The trailer just dropped for that. I'm excited about that, even though it's not going to have Emilio Estevez returning. But they did a good job of establishing new characters. And I want to see where the story goes. And then it's okay because you don't have to always rely on the nostalgia. Because if you create good enough characters to carry on like the legacy and push it forward, I'm okay with that. Which is why I think Cobra Kai has been a success. There's like a whole lot of new characters. Not just the the past characters, but everybody enjoys the new characters. Same thing for stuff like Creed. Like You just enjoy all the new stuff that's being introduced while carrying the legacy of what came before. And I think that's what makes a good, uh, you know, just a continuation of a franchise. You know, Top Gun Maverick is also a big component of that. You know, it, it introduced... A lot of new characters in a setting that we've seen before, but it told a new story and it moved it forward. So that's the way you got to do it. Not just remake stuff and try to rehash the past. Like that's, you're not going to get anywhere with that because that can only get you so far, you know, even in wrestling, right? 
like, I'm sick of the Attitude Era, guys. Like, I'm sick of, you know, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin, but that final match at Mania, like, I'm good with that. Like, I don't need to see him come out and have any more matches or take up any more time because, you know, there's just other characters that can have the spotlight now and can move this thing forward. But I'm rambling on, folks. I got two huge wrestling shows to cover. Let's take one break right here. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about WWE's Clash at the Castle tomorrow on Peacock and on the WWE Network internationally, midday, Cardiff, Wales. I'll run down the card. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Let's settle it, look at the life that we relish, I'm telling it I'm the star of the show and the regiment Can't stop me, bro, ain't no pedaling Ain't no riding the wave Staring right in your face, you know what I'm getting it This ain't back in the days Get ready for more You know the crowd is ready woo, woo. You know the crowd is ready Get loud and ready It's time to settle the score woo. Get loud and ready We take no offer for more All right, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any more time. WWE Clash at the Castle is coming to us tomorrow from Cardiff, Wales, overseas on Peacock. Streaming here in the U.S. and overseas and internationally. It'll be on the WWE Network, which I wish we still had. I missed the interface of that. So, I mean, I got to say I'm jealous of all of you, uh, you know, across the border in Canada or wherever uh, you are internationally that you still have the WWE Network. Don't get me wrong, like I, ha- I have nothing against Peacock. I just I miss the interface of the WWE Network. You know, they had chapters when you would watch old stuff. Like I- I'm still, I'll go back and watch old episodes of Monday Night Raw, and but sometimes it's it's weird the way it's posted on there. But you know, we have to adapt it for what it is, and you know, it's not the end of the world. First world problems, right? Uh, but I do miss the WWE Network. But either way, streaming on Peacock, WWE Network. Coming to us at noon tomorrow where I'm at, so uh, I'm going to have to get up a little earlier, but not too early. Um, and yeah, I'll get to enjoy this uh, up until like early afternoon. I'm expecting this to be like a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour show max. Um, I, maybe four, only because this is the first pay-per-view in over 30 years to be overseas. The last one that they did like that for a big stadium show was SummerSlam in 1992, which we just celebrated 30 years. Uh, that actually just passed. So they've been waiting a very long time to get a, well, they call them premium live events now, but uh, to everyone else, I think we're still familiar with the term pay-per-view and it's still, it still is like you got to pay to, to watch it. Um, so they're, they're super excited for that. So I'm sure the, you know, the WWE production team and Triple H, they're going to go all out to <laughs> pun intended, right? With, AEW's All Out show coming out tomorrow or Sunday. Um, they're going to do everything they can to put on a spectacular show because they know they don't always do events like this overseas. Now, they probably will now. They'll probably return sooner rather than later. You know, they, they do the Saudi Arabia shows. And I'm sure after the success of this, you know, financially, it's, it's all good, right? A lot of tickets have been sold. There's going to be a huge crowd tomorrow. It's in a stadium. So, it's going to look, have the look and feel of like a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania. So it's going to be a big deal and they'll probably return a lot sooner. Like I said, it's not, we're not going to have to wait another 30 years or anything like that. So, um, 
but yes, uh, I'm I'm thinking around the three and a half hour, four hours if they really want to push it, but hopefully not. You know, I I used to be a stickler for like yeah, like a three hour like wrestling show, but now it's like, man, if it hits four hours, I'm like this thing is too long, and you know, um, I used to be like you know I used to watch, I mean I still watch right, but as a kid when I was watching these attitude era pay-per-views and they'd only be like at the two and a half hour mark i'd be like come on man i want more but now as an adult i'm like you know i can three hours is stretching it a little bit but it's doable but anything more than that i start to get cranky but that's just the way i'm in my old age but there's only six matches on the card but the way triple h has been running things and again this is the first real show that's under his total control like yes he ran the SummerSlam pay-per-view um but that was all with storylines made by Vince McMahon. And even then, I'm sure like winners and all that stuff were determined by Vince McMahon. So this is really the first real show like where Triple H has had full creative control of the storylines, where everything's, uh, everything's leading up to it and everything that's going to come after it, after it. So, uh, this is a real important show for him. So he's going to want to knock it out of the park. So. With only six matches, I'm expecting a lot of good wrestling time for all of them. Everybody's going to get their moment to shine. Uh, you know, cause you look at the NXT shows that he used to produce and he would do these takeover events and there'd only be like six matches and you'd be like, what? There's not more than that. But then it, it's not about how many matches there are. It's about the quality. It's about the storytelling. It's about what you're going to present. And with these six matches that I'm going to run down, it's a pretty, pretty interesting card and, and there's a lot of different styles that you're going to see so uh, I'm really looking forward to it from an in-ring standpoint production wise I have no worries about that WWE is the absolute best when it comes to that video packages pay-per-view intros pay-per-view pyro everything they're great at that and I mean I don't even think I mean I haven't seen any pictures leak of what the set's going to look like at Clash of the Castle. But I know Triple H is very old school, so he, he thinks a lot like the way I do, like in terms of like presentation. When he would do these NXT shows, he would have like these badass, like simple entrances. Even at SummerSlam, it was a very like 90s like type of entrance, like where you, you just have like the the quick like little front entrance and that's it. Like, But, you know, I used to like pay-per-view sets looking and being different right just to give it that distinction right you know you don't want everything to look the same because then it just looks streamlined it looks very corporate and that's pretty much what wwe has looked like for a very long time like all their pay-per-view um entrances are the same so hopefully triple h can bring back a lot of that you know differences where shows like oh like you can tell we're at whatever extreme rules and you can tell we're at hell in the cell and you know, when SummerSlam rolls around, it's a big deal. And, of course, when WrestleMania rolls around, it's an even bigger deal. And, and the stage looks incredible. So I'm hoping he brings that to Clash at the Castle. I'm, I'm expecting, not expecting, but I guess hoping there's there'll be some distinction in the, you know, the the entranceway and uh, just the presentation. As long as it looks different. If it looks exactly like the way it's been looking, like, you know, where it ends up being like the same, the same, the same, just one big giant Tron and... You know the look. If you watch Raw and SmackDown, like they have like the same basically look. And if you want to have this, if you're gonna have two brands, you want to make them look different, right? It's okay if like something's positioned in a different way. So um, again, it's early in Triple H's regime, so I'm not gonna try to dissect everything. But I'm these are just things I'm hoping for. It's not like I need it, but it it would be nice. And I think Triple H gets it, and that's why I'm a little bit optimistic right now with WWE and 
giving him the benefit of the doubt and I'm giving him such a clean slate and all the true like AEW diehards that are just like saying like oh the he's me- he's going to mess up sooner or later like why do you want him to mess up like don't you want him to do good anyways let's get to the card six matches uh I won't go too deep into it you know cuz I got another full show to cover later on with AEW's all out so let's start off. Um, I'm, I'm reading these off of Wikipedia. I don't know if these are going to be in order, um, but I'm just going to read them off how they're listed here. So let's start with a tag team match that's going to happen between Edge and Rey Mysterio teaming up for the first time since 2002 when they were the WWE Tag Team Champions. And yes, folks, they did mention that on television this past week. So that's one of the little things that I like that Triple H has brought back that Vince McMahon just kind of like forgot about. Is that when WWE's good, not only like when obviously the storytelling is good and all that stuff, but they're really good when you bring up the history of what has happened in that company. You don't want to ignore it or you don't want to act like it's never happened. So the fact that they brought up that Edge and Mysterio have teamed up before and then when they are a duel, they're like kind of, they're just like a great force. So they really brought that into the mix. They've been feuding with the Judgment Day, which consists of Finn Balor and Damian Priest, also along with Rhea Ripley. Uh, they've been at the thorn on the side of the Mysterios uh, and Edge, of course, right? Because this dates back to when Edge is actually the one who started the Judgment Day group. Uh, and then when they brought in Finn Balor, he thought he was going to continue to build this thing. And they ended up all turning on him because they looked at him as someone from the past and holding you know these guys back. But Edge, Edge's whole intention was to bring out the best in these young bucks. So he's going to have to show them the ways and destroy destroy them himself because they just don't get it. Um, one of the interesting storylines going on also with this is the domination of Dominic Mysterio. Rhea Ripley has been beating up on this kid week after week after week. Um, even before then, they were trying to get him to join the Judgment Day. So there was little teases of that. I think this was happening still during the Vince McMahon reign, but... Now they've, I mean, they've, they're done, they're doing a pretty good job with it now under Triple H. Like it's, it's making sense and they're not dropping stuff out of nowhere. Um, so they've been continuing the storyline. And if things are, you know, sometimes it's okay for wrestling to be predictable and stuff like leads to where you think it's going to lead because in the end it's a soap opera. So, um, they've been teasing like Dominic Mysterio kinda in the beginning stages of turning heel and turning against his father. And, you know, he's had problems with Edge and, them coming to his defense and him getting accidentally speared by edge so there's there's been friction there and that culminated this past monday with uh dominic kind of being a a little bit hurt that ray mysterio didn't pick him to be his tag team partner against the judgment day and ray mysterio told his son like you know don't worry about it you know this isn't personal i just need the experience and edge has been around a long time we used to be tag team champions and but again they're playing the seas is it going to happen maybe if, would this be the right time to pull the trigger on something like that possibly um i'm going to go with the judgment day here taking a victory i think they really need it you know you, edge had a huge win a couple of weeks ago against damian priest in his hometown uh the mysterios i think got the upper hand this past week except for like the dominic stuff where he kind of like submitted to Rhea Ripley when he was going to hit her with the kendo stick, but she was like, no, no, just give it to me. And he did. Again, more signs of him possibly turning heel. Um, so if it's going to happen, it'll probably be here. Uh, but I'm going to predict them to win either way. So I'll predict them to win either with Dominic turning or even without them. I just think this is a good opportunity to 
to prop up Finn Balor and Damian Priest, and it's going to be a great match. I mean, I actually wouldn't be shocked if this one opened, but if they're going to do a major turn, I think you want to kind of leave this in the middle of the show just to give give the audience like that. Oh my God! Like what just happened? And then, but again, it's one of those things where like it it's it feels like it's heading that way, you know. But if this were a Vince McMahon led show, it would just be completely dropped and you'd forget about it. But with Triple H, Triple H knows how to understands about the storytelling process and leading up to things and paying off things you know he, he used to do it on nxt people are saying like oh like he's gonna be exactly like vince like no that, if you think that then you clearly never watched any of the nxt shows when it was under his regime and the pay-per-views that he did because all that stuff had payoffs uh storylines mattered uh you know the the right people would win and all that stuff so he he gets it i mean yes he has a bigger canvas to play with now and there's like a lot more that he needs to cater to not just the the diehards like myself he needs to cater on a mainstream level but simple storytelling things like this so it should pay off at some point right you would think that dom would turn so again i won't be shocked if it happens but if it doesn't happen and i'm still picking the judgment day so it should be a fun tag team match uh next we got uh the intercontinental title this is one of my big matches that I'm looking forward to. It is Gunther uh, versus Sheamus. And Sheamus has the opportunity here to become like the first true like Grand Slam champion of WWE where he would have won like every single championship. So big opportunity for him here. Obviously, this is just going to be a full on. They're going to chop the shit out of each other. They're going to beat the crap out of each other. They're going to be. Two sweaty men just pummeling each other. Crowd's going to be into it because these guys are both from overseas. So crowd's going to be eating this alive. This might be the match of the night, to be honest. Um, I think it's going to be great. I don't think now's the time to um, take the title off of Gunther. And again, this is a Triple H-led show. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking like this is a good opportunity to get the uh, the Imperium group back together, which was the group that was established on NXT UK and then they were brought on temporarily to the regular NXT show before Triple H's reign ran out there. Um, so this would be a good opportunity. And, and Triple H did say he was going to bring back a lot of the wrestlers that were released, right? That were kind of like under his wing. So I could see that possibly in play there. But either way, I think Gunther, Gunther, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, he retains here, but it's going to be a freaking awesome match. Definitely one of the ones I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Next up is a match that got super heated. Uh, and one that I originally got mad that got moved off of SummerSlam. Uh, but now there's, there's good reason why. And that's Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins. And folks, Riddle's got his first name back. He's Matt Riddle again, not just Riddle. Again, one of these weird things that Vince McMahon would do. People are getting their names back, so we'll see if it happens with some other people. But for now, let's let's stick with uh, Matt Riddle and Seth freaking Rollins. So originally, this match was going to happen at SummerSlam. Uh, they built up to it really quickly. They did this angle on the Raw before SummerSlam, and it was pretty cool, and it knocked Riddle out, right? You didn't know if he was going to make the match. And then all of a sudden, it just wasn't happening. But they had a confrontation at SummerSlam, and it, it, they've kind of just been doing this back and forth, like out of control, chaotic brawling, like whether it's through the crowd or backstage or whatever. So it's it's kind of great that they've kind of just been building this up now. Like now it has a true build. 
um, and they can you know blow it off here. Whether they're going to do a set of matches, I don't know. Probably because these guys are really great. Um, so they're building it up, right? They're doing these brawls and stuff. But where it really got hot was this past Monday night where they had a, a sit-down interview. Of course, they weren't in the same room, but they had that split screen. And, you know, they do the they do this back and forth, like, typical, like, you know, good guy versus bad guy promo. But then they do this kind of interesting thing where they go to commercial break and they come back. And the announcers tell us that, hey, like, when we went to break, like, their mics were actually still on. And, you know, more shit went down. And take a look. Like, this is actually pretty juicy. And when they go back to it, um, so wait, let me put it in full context. So before they went to the break, um, Matt Riddle had made a comment uh, about how the only man in the relationship that he has with his wife is Becky Lynch. And we all know Becky Lynch, of course, is married to Seth Rollins in real life. And that's her character, right? The man. But he's claiming like she's the only man in the relationship. And you can see Seth Rollins like peeved by that comment. But of course, it goes to commercial, whatever. But when they come back... (laughs) It looks like they're gonna like finish and go off on their separate ways and Seth Rollins is like, Hey, uh hey Riddle, are you still there? And he's kinda like out of character. He's like, Hey man, like you gonna talk about my family, man. Let's let's talk about your family. You wanna bring me my my shit into this? Let's let's see what's up with you. Like let's let's talk about your wife and then he like makes it super personal and talks about how his wife left him and the kids left him and all that shit and I I'm pretty sure some of that is real, uh, as far as like the personal life stuff and that's when wrestling is really good when you can blur the lines of like man was that was that real or was was that scripted was he supposed to say that was he supposed to like hit him that hard like you know that that's the beauty and why i think wrestling will always be the highest form of entertainment because they are absolutely great at blurring those lines a movie you know it's fake because it's pre-recorded and and all this stuff it's script it's completely scripted and so is wrestling but there are moments where you kind of like scratch your head and you're like, well, damn, maybe that was a, a real shot he took. Maybe he meant that as a real insult. Maybe that person really did get pissed off. Um, so they did that and it just fired up Matt Riddle and he goes on this like insane profanity rant that they ended up bleeping because they, they don't really curse anymore on, on WWE TV, but it just felt more authentic and more, it, it just gave the feud the necessary heat that it needed to like make this a must see match. I wanted to see it regardless, but now it's like it's got juice behind it. So, and the, it's been to talk about on the internet how that was like one of the best things WWE has done on TV. So, kudos to Triple H on that. Now, as far as the actual match is concerned, uh, Seth Rollins is an established guy, but he's also been losing a lot. And more, more recently, he's lost like three times in a row to Cody Rhodes, who's a, a guy that they've been trying to build up as this huge superstar, which I think he is. Um, so does he need the win? No, because Seth Rollins is established as a great wrestler, a great main event guy. He's been the heavyweight champion plenty of times. Um, but also you don't want to like completely bury him and have him continue to lose. But on the other hand, you have Matt Riddle, a guy who's still like on the rise and he's a great wrestler. He puts on great matches. Uh, but he always comes, comes up on the losing end of things. And I really think a win like this for him could be great. Now, if they're going to do a series of matches, which I think they're gonna do because they have the they have the extreme rules pay per view that's gonna come up in October after that, and then I think I think they're doing another Saudi show or if not they're going straight into Survivor Series. So you can keep this feud going, uh, and that's what I would do. So that's how I'm gonna predict it. and That's how I'm gonna book it. 
So I'm going to predict this to end in like a double disqualification or something like that. They're going to get just too heated. The match is too personal now that it can't just end on a one, two, three or, or, you know, submission or maybe Matt Riddle does choke out Seth Rollins. Who knows? But I'm going to, I'm going to go with the double disqualification. Again, this isn't AEW where, where they'll tell you straight out, oh, we don't do disqualifications or countouts. It's okay to do that stuff in wrestling as long as it makes sense and it progresses the story. Now, if you're, if this match was for a championship, I would say, hell no, don't do a double disqualification. Don't, don't do that. Actually have a winner and a loser. But here it's just a one-on-one personal grudge match. Um, and you want to see it continue because these guys are just too good and the story's just getting way more interesting. So double disqualification. That's my prediction. Is it going to happen? Who knows? Probably not, but that's what I'm going with. Next up, we got a six woman tag team match. We got Bianca Belair teaming the women's champion of Raw, by the way, teaming with Alexa Bliss and Asuka taking on the team of a returning Bailey, a returning Dakota Kai, and a returning former Io Shirai. Now she goes by Io Sky. Um, they returned at SummerSlam, which was to me like the best thing out of that whole show. I can't tell you how excited I got when I saw, uh, especially Dakota Kai come back because Dakota Kai is, was one of my favorites on NXT and I was surprised that they never brought her up to the main roster. Again, this was under the Vince McMahon regime and sometimes he just doesn't see things and, you know, they ended up firing her. So I didn't think we'd ever see her again. So I was hoping she would get some work somewhere because she's just too good to not be on television. So I was super excited to see her back. And of course, EO sky is just incredible. You know, the day her and Asuka lock up and do an actual match, like, I think she's better than Asuka, but that's just my opinion. Um, but she's great, and I'm glad that she's back and got signed to. Bailey, of course, is, is better as a heel than that, you know, gullible, like, oh, goody two shoes, baby face as she was doing the huggy, the hugging stuff and all that. It just, it, it ran its course. Um, so she's good as his heel character, this obnoxious heel. So she's good at that. Um, so they've been back for a while. They've been doing this uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Title Tournament, which Dakota Kai and Io Sky were a part of, and so were Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And they did meet at some point, and Dakota Kai and, and Io Sky did win, so they got the one over on them. But they ended up losing in the finals to Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah, which everybody thought Dakota Kai and Io Sky were going to win. Like everybody on the internet thought, I thought it. I thought it was the right move. They didn't go in that direction. So with that happening. You can't have them lose too much momentum. So I'm going with Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Eosky to win this match. And then I think, I think they're going to go with the rematch, uh, either on Raw or SmackDown for those tag titles. Because when the, the climax happened and Aaliyah got the pin on Dakota Kai and they won the titles, uh, Dakota Kai was not the legal person in the ring. So I don't know if that's going to play into it. You know, Dakota Kai kept yelling it like, I wasn't legal. I wasn't legal. And they don't just, I mean, again, this is under Triple H's regime now, so I don't think they're going to throw cookie crumbs out there and not follow up on them. So I'm expecting some type of rematch, and, and they'll get the belts. Um, I know people are expecting, like, Sasha Banks and Naomi to return, which, you know, if you read the reports online, they're, I guess, close to coming back already. But I would not bring them back on this show just yet. I would let Bailey and, and company get the win here, get the heat, um, you know, Bliss, Asuka, and Belair really don't lose anything by losing this match because Belair's still the champion. And then you can kind of like spin off either. T- I think there's too many babyface uh, 
women's wrestlers. So you could either turn Alexa Bliss heel, have her go after Belair a little bit, or depending on what happens with you know Sasha and them when they eventually return, uh, you either put Bailey in a feud with with Belair and uh, have Bliss. Uh, she can even feud with Oscar for all I for all I care. But I think she needs to turn at some point. I think. Uh, her character's a little stale right now, even though she's in this huge match. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just think this is the moment where you don't want to squander what you've been doing with Bailey and Dakota and Io, especially because they were the first ones to reappear, right, in the Triple H regime, like where it's like, okay, this is this is for sure Triple H is in charge because no way Vince would have brought brought these women up to the main roster, except for Bailey, of course, because she was already there. But there's no way in hell Dakota Kai and EO Sky would have shown up if Vince McMahon was there. So um, you got to you got to let them get some momentum, and they need this win. So I expect them to get it. Up next, we got the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Liv Morgan, the champion, defending against Shayna Baszler. This is probably the match I'm least looking forward to, just in terms of storyline wise. Like I'm glad that they're giving somebody else an opportunity here to run with it like it's a fresh view like you don't see any of the four horsewomen you know in this match so that's like refreshing right because it's usually either got charlotte becky bailey or uh who was the other one was it becky charlotte bailey and sasha those are the four and they're usually in the championship um chase but now you've got like newer women and i like Liv morgan as a champion like i like it but i'm not really into this feud so much like um you know, Shayna Baszler still needs some work on the mic. She's definitely doing a lot more than what she was, so it's a step up, but I still think she needs more mic work to be more convincing as a killer again. I prefer she just rather not speak and just be like a silent killer, which uh I get you need to have Ronda Rousey talking, right, because she's a big star. But Shayna Baszler can kind of play that silent killer where she doesn't really, really need to see, say much, or you can put somebody with her, like a manager. Like like she can join Paul. Paul Heyman could have her join for some reason. Uh, not the Roman Reigns group, but she can join like his enterprise and he can spin off and do stuff with her. Cause I think she needs a mouthpiece. Cause you know, when she's going off on the mic at Liv Morgan about how she's going to tear her apart, it just sounds still too scripted, too robotic and also not as threatening. And if she's going to do that, she needs to be more threatening uh, as a killer. And I'm just not buying it. Um, I really don't know where they're going to go in the future for, for Liv Morgan as champion. You know, you, ha- you still have Charlotte Flair waiting to come back. You have Ronda Rousey hanging around on SmackDown. She's in a little feud with Adam Pearce right now. Uh, just finished watching SmackDown not too long ago and she got her suspended lifted and she's getting cheered by the fans too. So, um, I, this might not be a good situation for Liv Morgan, you know, depending on if Charlotte comes back and then of course if Ronda Rousey gets back in the mix, like, you know, the fans could end up turning on Liv Morgan, and I wouldn't want that to happen. But again, wrestling fans are very fickle. I'm not one of those people. Like I let things play their course. You know, she deserves to be champion, and she's earned that right. I'm not going to turn on her and be like, "No, I wanted you to be champion, and now I don't want you to be champion." It's weird how fans are like that. They can cheer for somebody for so long, and they want them to to get to the top, and then once they get the title, like they get sick of them. Like that's that's weird. That's fickle to me, as Brian Danielson would say. I don't like that, but. This is kind of like I feel like where it's headed for Liv Morgan, and I don't know. She, I don't. No, I don't think she'll get booed tomorrow at Clash. But would it shock me? Would it shock me if she got booed over there in Cardiff, uh, and maybe the fans start chanting, chanting for Shayna Baszler? Uh, but either way, I don't see Baszler winning the title here. Uh, I think they're gonna do. They, they have. There has to be another match with uh, Ronda Rousey because 
the way their match ended at SummerSlam, there was controversy there because Liv Morgan actually did tap out before she Ronda Rousey got pinned. So they still have to revisit that. So I don't think Triple H is going to let that linger and let that be forgotten. So, uh, yeah, because of that, that's why Liv Morgan retains. They're going to go back to the Rousey feud. And, again, the wild card is Charlotte. And now we come to the main event of the show. It is for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, the two-year champion. I mean, it's time for it to end. That's what I think. Defending against Drew McIntyre. Now, give Vince McMahon credit on this one because they've actually built up Drew McIntyre as the number one contender for a very long time. So this dates all the way back to Money in the Bank, I believe, between him and Sheamus, where they just kept going at it and they were going to be the ones to determine who was going to fight uh freaking the champion at clash of the castle and this was like back in like early july when vince was still around so they've been building this for a while so i think vince was gonna have drew mcintyre in this match regardless so they've been building him up pretty good and but now with vince mcmahon out of the way this actually has gotten a really nice build and uh drew's looking really good as a baby face on the on the chase of the champ so those are always good but just you know you think about what's to come in the future with like WrestleMania and all that stuff. Cause we're, you know, once we hit survivor series, that's where you really start. And I, if triple H is smart, he'll start planting the seeds like around survivor series for what's going to end up paying off at WrestleMania. It's like, where are they going to go with this? Like, could drew win in this home? I don't, would it be country? I don't think it's his home city, but it's his home country. You could have that huge win there. You know, they did it for the British bulldog back in SummerSlam 92, where he took the Intercontinental title off Brett, and it was a huge deal. But then, like, weeks later, I think, or a week or a month later, I forgot how much longer it was. It wasn't too long. He lost the title to Shawn Michaels, and then, like, nothing really became of the Bulldog afterwards. Now, is Drew McIntyre a better character than the British Bulldog? Uh, miles ahead, yes. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to see that happen to him. But, I mean... Would it be great to see him win that title and like in front of that packed house, like in front of his people? I think it'd be great. But then I think you could put the title back on Roman, like maybe like a pay per view or two, you know, later, whether it be at Extreme Rules or at Survivor Series or even in the January pay per view, the day one pay per view, because there's going to be two in January. There's that one and then there's the Royal Rumble. So you could do that or you could at least have Drew hold it to the Royal Rumble and lose it to Roman again. Because you got to think, Cody Rhodes is going to be coming back soon, probably by the Royal Rumble. We hope, you know, there's there's going to be an interesting uh, ascension of a certain wrestler who just returned. Also, he doesn't have a match on this card, but his name is Johnny Gargano, known in NXT as Johnny Wrestling, a very huge and popular favorite wrestler, puts on tremendous matches. Um, He's going to be there, and if people start climbing for him, and the momentum starts building, like. The fans are going to want one of these two guys as champion. And, you know, I would rather see them defeat a heel champion than a babyface Drew. Although a babyface versus babyface match is not bad. But in terms of great storytelling, you, you want to see good versus evil, right? Like, that's that's the beauty of wrestling. Is it's, it's like watching, you know, a comic book in live format. Um, so I'm kind of torn with what's going to happen here. What makes sense is to just have Roman win, right? And just continue his reign, and then he eventually loses it to a bigger baby face. 
But the interesting he- thing to do here is actually give Drew his shot here. He he's been WWE champion before. You know, he won at WrestleMania, but he won at a WrestleMania that didn't have any fans, and it wasn't his fault because it was the pandemic, and he was champion all through the pandemic. So he he didn't really get to experience being the champion in front of a huge crowd. And the only time he did was at WrestleMania the following year, and he lost, or he wasn't even the champion, and he just lost. So he didn't even get his real moment to be the champion. So I think if it were me, I'd let him win tomorrow and have that big moment because he's he's had a run as champion and he he was a fine champion for the era that it was right like he did the best that he could just give him that big stadium moment where he can have the crowd like eat him up alive you know in a good way so i'm gonna go with drew mcintyre tomorrow gets the big win but i think roman reigns will win it back at some point whether it be a month or even down the line in january at the royal rumble Yep, that's uh that's WWE Clash at the Castle. Again, a very solid card, you know, other than the SmackDown women's title, which I mean, I'll still watch it, but you know, at, even though I'm not like that, that excited for it, I mean, the card's still good. Like everything's again, it should be a fun 3-hour, three 3.5-hour, three maybe 4-hour show. Hopefully some surprises, some stuff that, you know, I mentioned some stuff here that could happen. It could be completely different. Triple H can completely surprise us and there'll be other Stuff that we don't even see coming. And that's the beauty of wrestling, you know. I'm not going to hedge my bets on all this stuff that I'm predicting. It's just stuff that I would like to see. But if it doesn't and they take it in a more interesting way, like, I'm cool with that too. Like, not that weird. I'm not that weird fan, guys. I'm not that guy that, ah, I didn't. Sasha, Sasha Naomi didn't come back at the pay-per-view. This is awful. Or Roman Reigns won again. Ugh. Like, no, like, come on now. I mean, yes, I'm tired of Roman as champion, but now with the guys that we got coming and the guys that are going to be under Triple H and the creative and all that stuff, like, I'm more confident now of where this is headed. So it's going to be a fun show. I cannot wait. Um, that's Clash of the Castle tomorrow midday. Again, folks, it's during the day at noon. If you live in the States, internationally, if I think it's like at 7 or something like that. It'll actually be a night pay-per-view for the overseas crowd. Or if you're in L.A., you're going to have to wake up like at, literally at 10 in the morning. That's when it starts. But I'm looking forward to that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll go all out and talk about the 2022 version of this card. Stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. One of the best horror movies I've seen this year. Definitely 10 out of 10. Come here! Was crazy. This is perfectly natural. Welcome back to the show, Barbarian in theater, September 9th. In case you didn't know what that little teaser was for, it was for that movie. Again, try to go in as blind as possible. Don't see a trailer. Don't read anything on it. That's what everybody's been telling me to do online. So I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go in, you know, completely blind to this thing. So we'll see if it ends up being good or not. You know, always judge it for yourself, folks. Anyways, let's turn our attention, our final segment of this show. I'm going to talk about AEW's All Out 2022 pay-per-view card. 
Holy moly. There is a total of 15 matches on this thing, folks. But that includes the pre-show or the zero hour or whatever they're calling it. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just going to talk about the main matches on the show, which is still a lot. It's 11, so bear with me, folks. Uh, I'm going to try not to go too long on these things, but if I end up going on rants, I can't help it. I'm a wrestling guy. I, I think like a booker, so if I have thoughts, oh well. Anyways, um, this has been a very interesting build. Uh, this is, I, w- I wouldn't want to say this is their WrestleMania event. It's either this one or Double or Nothing, because uh, Double or Nothing was their first pay-per-view event, but All Out's usually usually the one where they put a lot of like real, real hype into it. Like CM Punk debuted on this exact pay-per-view in his first match in seven years at this event last year, so... They kind of want to make this like their semi-huge big main main show. And they have 11 matches, right? Because usually I don't even think they put that many matches on in general. So, again, and they're going to probably use their four-hour time limit. Again, they're still on regular pay-per-view, so they have time constraints, so they can't go too long. So, um, But we'll see. There's 11 matches, and a lot of this stuff looks like it's going to get time. So let's run it down. First up. We got the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, one-on-one with the Lionheart, Chris Jericho. And the storyline for this match has been sports entertainment versus professional wrestling. You know, Jericho heads up the Jericho Appreciation Society, which is kind of a mock on uh, WWE and the whole sports entertainment aspect of stuff. Even though they're starting to bring wrestling more back into their repertoire and actually saying wrestling, you know, because... For a while, or for a very long time, Vince McMahon hated the term wrestling. He's like, this isn't a wrestling show, it's an entertainment show, it's, you know, all that. So, that's really what Jericho's faction is feeding off of. And of course, that makes them giant heels, because everybody that's a diehard AEW fan that goes to these shows, they love the pro wrestling aspect of things, so of course they boo the shit out of this. And anytime they say sports entertainer instead of wrestler, or if they refer to the fans as the the AEW Galaxy, you know, everybody knows the term WWE Universe, right? It's just, it's a thing Vince McMahon made and which they still use, but you know, they're, they're starting to call, call them fans again, which is what they are, like getting called the WWE Universe or AEW Galaxy is just weird. So it's a mock on that. And the tension between these two, they've been feuding for a while now, the Blackpool Combat Club against the Jericho Appreciation Society. But where this really escalated is uh, in Brian Danielson's return matches with uh, Daniel Garcia, who's part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, but he's also a really good wrestler. Now, if you really pay attention to the AEW storytelling, Brian Danielson, when he was first talking about the idea of creating a faction that was like full of wrestling, like like just pure wrestlers at the core... Like, of course, John Moxley was his first target, right? And they they had a match, and they blew that off, and they, they turned into a, a friendship, a partnership, and they started recruiting all these other people. But one of the people that Brian Danielson mentioned in that promo, and this was like a long time ago, I want to say like a little before February, he mentioned Daniel Garcia being one of those guys that could you know, be on a team like this where they could just run all of wrestling and be like the best pro wrestlers on the face of the earth. So this is something like that's not out of nowhere. So this is probably the best built story long term, if you think about it, and probably the one I'm 
most looking forward to. Well, of course, the CM Punk match, but that I have my problems with that, and I'll get to it in just a second. But in terms of like pure storytelling and a fact that a good match will just come out of it, it's definitely this one. Brian Danielson, of course, I think is just pound for pound like the absolute best wrestler. You know, you watch his matches on TV on Dynamite anywhere that he that he is on TV. It's just must see, and they're so riveting. And again, he's had these matches with Daniel Garcia, uh, one that he lost, so he put Daniel Garcia over, and then they had their big blow off where it was two out of three falls, and Brian Danielson ended up winning, and kind of won Garcia over with uh, Danielson. You know, kind of like you know he's he really respect that he got to wrestle his idol, which Garcia does call Danielson one of his wrestling idols. And, you know, and this is where Jericho comes into play. He's like, hey, no, you're a sports entertainer. You're with us. Uh, so it's kind of like this little wrestling love triangle. Daniel Garcia's torn. Should he stay with Jericho's faction or should he just embrace that he is a professional wrestler and possibly join the Blackpool Combat Club at some point? If the storytelling's done right, and usually Tony Khan pays stuff off, um, this guy, Daniel Garcia, is going to end up joining the Blackpool Combat Club, and it'll pay off what Danielson said a very long time ago. He would probably be the last member, I think, that he was talking about because he mentioned Wheeler Yuta, and that ended up happening. The whole Claudio thing happened by chance because he got released by WWE, so um, that's the only reason that happened. Uh, but other than that, like Daniel Garcia was the last piece. So who do I see winning this match? Um, it could be, it'll be Danielson, but then he'll get the beat down. And then of course you'll see the full turn there by Garcia, which he's already getting cheered by the way. And this is when, you know, they do storytelling, right? Is after that two out of three falls match, like they chanted at Daniel Garcia, they chanted for him and they also chanted at him saying like, you're a wrestler, you're a wrestler. So all, all the components and ingredients are there. I don't think they're going to you know, prolong this thing and make it go any further. This really has to be paid off now because it's been going on like all summer. And again, Danielson's been teasing this group since like the beginning of the year. So it, it has to come full circle now. So Danielson gets the win. Garcia turns. And uh, I don't think he'll necessarily join the Blackpool Combat Club right away. But he'll earn his stripes just like Wheeler Yuta did and eventually join the group. So. But it'll be it'll be one of the better wrestling matches on this card, you know. Even though Jericho's getting up there in age, but he still showed that he's got it. Character-wise, he'll always have it because he's just too he's too much of a genius up in the brain, like to know that stuff. But physically, you know, he was a little heavy when he did start in AEW, and there was I was worried about him for a little bit there. I don't know if he was drinking too much or whatever, because he also doubles as a you know he has a rock band as well so he goes on tour and all that stuff and you know the life of a rock star you know you can't ignore any of that so i'm sure some of that came into play but there was a health scare which i'm sure he's been open about but i don't really know what it was that he went through but he did drop a lot of weight and he's looked as good as he ever did um even during his prime so i'm expecting a great match out of these two uh but but danielson will pick up the victory on sunday Next, we got a four-way match for the interim, keyword folks, interim AEW Women's World Championship. Thunder Rosa is the women's champion, but right now she is hurt. Uh, we found this out last week. Uh, she did a promo backstage on Dynamite, which was, it came off 
very weird and very quick, but apparently that's how quick the news came out that she notified last minute that she had been struggling through back problems for a while. So uh, the thing that Tony Khan has done in AEW is that he doesn't drop people as champions when that happens. He just creates another belt and that person becomes a champion for a while until the other person is able to healthy compete and then they unify the belts. But then that, that gets into another situation where there's just so many belts on television. So that's the only reason I don't like this idea. If there were less belts, I'd be okay with it. But the fact that there's just going to be another belt around on television is just weird. But maybe, you know, Tony Khan's got this UFC mentality because there's always a bunch of belts on that program and nobody gives a shit about that. So, I mean, nobody gives a shit in terms of like nobody cares if there's all these belts because, you know. But then I think it diminishes like anything meaning having any like substance you know because like when you see a guy like wheeler yuda for example right you would think like him winning a championship would be a big deal right because he's he's a young up-and-comer but he's got a belt right now which doesn't even belong to the company that he's in it's in another company that's run by tony khan called ring of honor and he's one of the champions of that company and he walks around with a belt also but but it's like are you really a champion like i mean it just looks like you're carrying around a you know a strap you know, the titles need to mean something. They need to prop. They need to, like, you know, when you're, like, when, when John Moxley or CM Punk show up with the AEW world title, like, it looks like a big deal. So, I again, I'm going into this big tangent about interim belts. And again, I wouldn't have a problem with that if there weren't so many other goddamn belts on the show. But, you know, it is what it is. So she's out of the equation. So in this match, we're going to have Tony Storm, who was the original opponent of Thunder Rosa anyway. She was the one that was going to fight for the belt, so she's right to be in this match. Uh, the former champion, Dr. Britt Baker, who's still my favorite in AEW, so uh, she's going to be in it, and so is her partner in crime, Jamie Hayter, and another former AEW Women's World Champion, Hikaru Shida, which standing-wise rankings, I have a problem with this match because I, I just really don't understand the ranking system in AEW. Uh, and I feel like they use it when it's convenient for them because when they started this whole promotion, they said like wins and losses are going to matter and how you rank because they're going to rank it like it's real sport, you know, and they put out their rankings every single week, you know, of who's the number one contender all the way up to like number five, depending in whether you're for the men, the women and the tag team, they do all that stuff and they release it every week. So when they announce this match, I'm like, okay, I can buy Tony Storm and Britt Brit Baker. They were ranked one and two. And I'm like, I get that. But then you look at the rankings after this match was announced that they had on their website. So it had Tony Storm, number one, Britt Baker, number two. Number three was Athena, but she's competing for another championship. And we'll get to that match in a little bit. So I can, you know, I can okay with that. But then you had number four was uh, Anna Jay. So, like, shouldn't she be in this match if she's gaining wins? So that didn't make sense to me. Um, Jamie Hayter, I buy only because she's been around in this feud with Rosa and Tony Storm because they've been feuding with with Britt Baker as well, like as teams against teams. So she's been around. So storyline wise, like it makes sense why she's there, even though she may not be like ranked. But the one that comes completely out of nowhere is Hikaru Shida, who I haven't seen on TV since I can't even remember when. And all of a sudden she's just in this match. And again, this goes to my belt problem. Like, she's a women's champion for another company, and she's carrying around this other championship. So if I'm a, a casual, like, it's just very confusing for me. There's just all these belts. 
But then again, it's confusing for the diehards because what are you doing with the ranking system? Because that doesn't make any sense. Anna Jay should be in this match. Athena should be in this match. But she's challenging for another belt, so whatever. But why is Hikaru Shida in this match? I, I, I don't get it. But that's just me being nitpicky on it. Who do I want to win this match? Of course, Dr. Britt Baker. She's the best on that show. She's the best promo. She's she's a good enough wrestler. She, she's been carrying that division uh, even when she hasn't been champion. Like every time she's on TV, it's must-see. Like she, she knows how to work the camera. She's just like the complete package, man. Like you have to go with her because nobody else has been able to carry that mantle. And I, you know... I like Thunder Rose as a wrestler. I like her character, but you know, her promos aren't the best, but also she hasn't been given enough time to develop. And that's another criticism that Tony Khan has received this past week because when she did her, her announcement that she wasn't going to be able to compete, she did it in a backstage thing. Like CM Punk got to do it in front of a crowd and all that stuff, but why didn't he let her do it? And his reasoning was because ratings, right? CM Punk is a bigger draw, which I get. But also this makes him look bad because the women's division has been really lacking television time. And this could have been a good opportunity for her to go out there, get the sympathy from the fans, even though it is a real injury. But, you know, get the crowd behind her. You develop her character a little more, get more emotion out of it. You can build something off of that. And, you know, you can shave off time off of a match or whatever to to put more you know, investment in your women, which AEW has really been struggling with that. Like, that's the one thing where they're, like, kind of out of touch a little bit. Like, you know, we said Vince McMahon was so out of touch, but at least with the women, he was really on on brand with that. Like, the women main event in WWE, the, the women will open the show. The women get plenty of promo time. Like, they have their opportunities there. So, AEW needs to figure it out. I know they don't have as much hours of television as WWE, but... If you have time to fit in wrestlers from other companies that aren't even signed there, you have time to put women that are on that show there. If you can do that, if you can put freaking, uh, what's his name, Cass, who, or the former Cass from WWE, if you can put him on there, he's not even freaking signed to AEW. You can put him on the show, but you can't put Thunder Rosa in a promo segment for like a few minutes in the ring. Like, nah, it's a cop-out answer. It's bullshit. Uh, Tony Khan, do better. The women's division needs severe help there they need more time they need more exposure because wwe is mopping the floor with you in terms of like the women's booking and the division and triple h is all in on the women there he was all about that so it's even going to get stronger now that he's fully in charge and if i'm a woman there in AEW, um the grass is greener on the other side for your division like the men it's you know it's wait and see but for the women i'm telling you like if Britt baker like i know she's the the first women's signed to that company or woman signed to that company and i'm sure she's got a lot of loyalty there and i'm sure she likes it there like i don't think she has any problems but if she wants her full potential like like exposed on television you gotta go to wwe like you there there they will push the hell out of you they will make sure you main event shows they will make sure you get plenty of time in your matches like i'm telling you like the grass is greener for the women on the other side, and that's just fact. Like, tell me, see, like CM Punk says, tell me when I'm telling lies. Like, come on, Tony Khan, do better with your women. And um, I think you have to start here by putting the belt back on Britt Baker because she's the heartbeat of that division. Um, is she arrogant? Is she cocky? Is she a heel? Yes. Uh, would Would it be nice to put it on somebody like Tony Storm, who's a great wrestler? But is she a character who could 
carry that division and and prop other people like Britt Baker has done that with everybody that she's been in the ring with like it becomes an interesting program once she's involved so I think she needs to win here um apparently Thunder Rosa was also supposed to lose the belt at all out to Tony Storm I mean that's the rumor right we don't know if it's true but if they go this route with Tony Storm as a champion all I'm going to say is that you better give them time to to actually wrestle and do promos and all that stuff and not just be like a they need to be more than a one segment show for for the women. They they need to at least have two three segments on there. I mean, come on. Like you can cut off one of these male matches or two male matches and put two spots there for two different women segments. Like come on. Like it's 2022. Get with the times Tony Khan stop blaming your time constraints or I don't have enough time. There's too many wrestlers. No, if you're putting other fucking wrestlers from other companies, you have time to put the women that are there in your company. Do better. But I'm going with Dr. Britt Baker. I went on a huge rant. Let's move on. Um a trios match. This is the first of three trios matches on this card. Ridiculous. Uh I think one six man tag is good enough. When you have three of them, it's overkill. But this is their WrestleMania. I'll I'll let it be. It's the House of Black, which consists of Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. They're going to be taking on the team of Darby, Allen, Miro, and Sting. Um, I'm going to admit I don't watch every single thing on AEW. There's some stuff I forward, and this has kind of been some of the stuff that I've been forwarding. Even though I like Darby, Allen, and Sting, but I kind of just don't care about them in this feud. Um... From what it looks like, it looks like Brody King had been getting the best of Darby Allen, and then they had their blow-off match, and Darby Allen won his match. Um, Miro has an issue with Malachi Black because he spit, you know, mist in his face, and it's been this whole thing. But I'm kind of, eh, whatever on this match. I'll go with uh, the House of Black because they need some kind of momentum because, you know, Darby Allen's not going to be hurt by it. Uh, he could get pinned, whatever. Sting could get pinned. It won't matter. Uh, the person you don't want to pin here is Miro because, you know, they haven't done anything with him since he's – and he's been around too. Like this is the one guy I was wondering, like, where the hell has he been? Like this guy is like a, somebody you could do something with and they just always put him in nothing feuds. Um, I think literally this is the first pay-per-view he's on since last year when he was on it. So, And he hasn't been seen since. So, I mean, I don't know. He may have been doing a movie, but, I mean, come on. Like promote your guys, man. Jeez. Um. Yeah, that's that's it on this match. House of Black wins. I won't uh, I won't stick with it too much. Next up, we got surprisingly another women's match, but uh, you know, again, the booking has just been very light for this. You know, this this match could have gotten more exposure. It's Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Athena. As I mentioned, Athena is the number three ranked wrestler in the female division, but she's actually going for a championship, so uh, I'll let it slide on her not being in the four way. Uh, this is actually, the promos between these two have been pretty good. They had one on Rampage that just aired tonight, and that was pretty good to hype it up. But it was just like a, a little quick segment. Like, I would have loved to have seen this in a ring with a crowd, like, where they could get into it and give them a chance to see it. Like, you know, I, you know, the, the ratings for Rampage aren't all too good, so it's not like a lot of people are watching this show, so. Some stuff you will miss if you don't catch the show. And the stuff that they do put on sometimes, they rush it. So, But as far as winning, um, I think Jade Cargill is still super green in terms of, like, do I enjoy her wrestling matches? No, like, they're pretty bad. But, like, the storyline of her being undefeated and her her look and stuff, like, it works. The theme music and all that stuff. 
So I kind of wouldn't take the title off her just yet, but I do like Athena. She's pretty good. She was good as Ember Moon in NXT. And, um, I mean, a good change of pace would be good here. Like, I don't know. I mean, if it's not going to be Athena to beat Jade Cargill, who's it going to be? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, at this point, like, if Tony Storm's not going to win the women's title, world title, then she should be the one to beat Jade Cargill. She would be the only one more credible unless you turn Jamie Hayter into a baby face, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to go with uh, Jade Cargill here because I'm, I'm hoping that Britt Baker wins the, the world title back and Tony Storm can move on to this. So, yeah, Jade Cargill to retain against Athena. Next up, we got another personal grudge match here. Not as juicy as the Matt Riddle-Seth Rollins match, uh, but still pretty well built up. And it's Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Um Christian Cage has been using a lot of personal stuff. You know, Jungle Boy is the son of the late uh, Luke Perry, the famous actor from 90210. And, you know, he's got other credits under his belt, but that's what he's most known for. Um, Christian Cage has been uh, feuding with Jungle Boy on this, taking personal shots. And, again, this was all like a one-year, kind of one-year build. You know, Christian Cage had been teaming up with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. They'd been like a little team for a very long time. And then... He finally did that big turn, which this was one of the ones where we knew it was going to happen at some point. Uh, that was good storytelling. Um, and then when it did happen, it was like it paid off. It, it was nice. Um, but as far as like a wrestling match, like I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be more of a fight. Um, but again, they don't do schmas finishes here. They don't do disqualification. So I'm thinking somebody's going to win. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Cage here because I think they're going to continue the feud just like the Rollins riddle, but they'll give somebody the, the, the win here. Uh, and it's going to be Cage, but I think Jungle Boy will end up like beating the crap out of him afterwards and just continue the feud, whether they do it in a cage later on or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, they're definitely going to continue on because these guys just hate each other's guts and plus it keeps them occupied for the rest of the year. Next up, we got our second six-man tag match. And that is the team of Wardlow, the TNT champion, and FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood, who are the IWGP Tag Team Champions, the ROH Tag Team Champions, the AAA Tag Team Champions. Why the fuck aren't these guys challenging for the tag team titles? I'll get to that in just a bit. Um, They're going to be teaming up against Jay Lethal from Ring of Honor <laughs> and the Motor City Machine Guns from Impact Wrestling. Again, you're talking about how the women's wrestlers don't get enough time on TV. Look, like these guys aren't even from that same company and they're getting pay-per-view matches. And they get the TV time. Ridiculous. I, I don't get it. Like the, When Tony Khan uses this excuse of like there's too many people, get rid of the people that aren't even signed to your company. Like what are you doing? But whatever. I mean I'm just trying to be fairly critical and be fair to the people that you have in your company because they're not they're going to get disgruntled and they're going to want to leave and we don't want that to happen we don't we don't need the wrestling industry to be a monopoly again um it's great to have two companies but come on man there's got to be that perfect balance there's that tie-in for cobra kai um this match is was kind of i mean they pushed it a little better on this rampage show tonight but it's kind of like a little too late like we're already 48 hours away and they're barely putting heat into it now like i i'm I'm gonna be into it because ftr is my favorite tag team um and wartlow i mean i like him but he's been cooled off ever since uh his feud with mjf um so this is kind of like a nothing match even though they're, they're into it but you know wartlow and ftr should not lose at all because they're 
first of all, A, they're champions, and B, they're super over with the crowd. So, And, and these other people, like I, Jay Lethal's a good wrestler, but you don't want to put him over. And this this other team, the Motor City Machine Guns, I'm like, unless you're super, super diehard, nobody's going to know who they are. Um, so I'm going with Wardlow and FTR here. And uh, this should be a pretty it, – it'll be a fun match, but it shouldn't go too long either. Uh, next, we got the uh, Casino Ladder Match, where the winner will receive a future AEW World Title Match. Now, in this, this is like their version of uh, Money in the Bank. So, in this match, you're gonna have Claudio Castagnoli, who's the former Cesaro from WWE, uh, Wheeler Yuta, both of these guys from the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Penta El Zero Miedo, uh, Ray Phoenix, Roosh. Andrade El Idolo, Dante Martin, and a mystery person. Now, there's a lot of speculation on who this could possibly be. Um, could it be a returning MJF? Storyline-wise, it wouldn't make sense because this guy cussed out his boss on the last time we saw him, and we haven't seen him since. Uh, whether it was a work shoot or real shoot, I don't know. But the reports are that MJF should be returning shortly. But if it is, I think he's going to come back in a way where it's like oh he's not supposed to be on the show so i think they're going to continue it that way him being inserted into a championship opportunity doesn't make sense um there's also rumblings that adam cole could be ready to return to action he's been out for a while with a undisclosed injury although i think it might have been a concussion don't quote me on that on 100 percent, but i think that's what it might have been um this would be a good spot for him because his group he turned on the young bucks right him, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish turned on the Young Bucks, turned on the Elite, so they're kind of moving away from them. Um, Bobby Fish, as we just learned a couple of days ago, his contract expired with AW, and they're not going to renew it, so he's a free agent. Kyle O'Reilly just posted on Instagram not too long ago that he just went through neck surgery, so he's going to be out for a while. So I think from my point of view, I think this is a good opportunity to re- I don't want to say repackage, but you can bring in Adam Cole again, but bring him back as a huge baby face. Have him do do this climb up to the championship and maybe do a match with, well, I won't say who just yet because that will reveal my prediction for the final match. But I I would have Adam Cole in this match and have him win it and be the number one contender for a future world title match. Probably at the next pay-per-view, which would be full gear in November. Um, Yeah, he'll win that match. And, of course, all these wrestlers in it, it's going to be a crazy ladder spot fest. And crowd will eat it up. It'll be good. Next up, we got the AEW World Tag Team Title Match. Uh, I got my unbelievable quabbles with this whole scenario. So it's Swerve in Our Glory, which consists of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. They're the champions. They're going to be defending against the Acclaimed. Uh, this is an up-and-coming tag team, which is starting to get popular, and they just turned babyface. So I get it from that perspective. But let me talk about the tag team division for a little bit here, folks, if you don't mind me nitpicking again at the rankings thing. So as I mentioned, they put out these rankings every week, whether it's the men, the women, the tag team, you know, whatever. They have them all listed, one to five. The one that has been consistent for a very long time, and I don't know if it's storyline reason or if it's just bad coincidence that that's the case, but the number one ranked tag team in AEW for like months now has been FTR. And uh, before, and Swerve and Keith Lee haven't been champions for long because guess who were the champions before them? The Young Bucks. Yes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this into a, a shoot. 
yeah. I don't like the Young Bucks. I mean, I think they're they're good wrestlers, but I think as characters and just their overall like influence that they think that they have, like I think they they think they're bigger than like, you know, what's come before and they think they're just like the best thing ever. I think they're overrated in terms of characters, in terms of promos, you know, whatever. Like their acting's terrible and their promos are even worse. Um, but their wrestling's fantastic. I'll give them that. I'm not going to discredit them. They have amazing matches. But that's about as far as I'll go with the Young Bucks. Anyways, they were the champions for a very long time. And there was a while back where FTR started to get a lot of momentum being popular with the fans. And they eventually turned babyface, right? Because they started to align with uh, CM Punk. But FTR did defeat the Young Bucks at one point, right? They gave them that rub because they've, they've only only met only one other time. So they... they they split the series. And the Young Bucks have been the tag champions for this very, very long time, right? And, uh, or actually they had just won the titles not too, not too far back. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is leading to the eventual meetup again with FTR at All Out. Like, that's the perfect scenario. Like, the final blow off for these teams and have it be for the, for, you can have it be for all the tag title belts, right? Because FTR is holding all the other stuff and they've had such this momentum run. You know, they're so over with the crowd. Like, it's incredible. But yet they have, they have yet to receive a, an AEW World Tag Team title shot. And there's been other teams that have gone title shot after title shot after title shot. And it's like, dude, FTR is ranked number one. What the fuck is going on? Like, what is this about? I, politics and wrestling is real. And I'm going to use it for this situation. I think the Young Bucks, just don't want anything to do with having to put FTR over as any type of tag team champion or or have them be like in the spotlight. I really do believe that. I mean, I'm not I'm not an insider, I'm not back there, but this is just based on what I'm seeing, right? Cuz it it makes no sense that the Young Bucks all of a sudden dropped these tag titles to that team which again, nothing against Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, they're great, but they were barely a tag team to begin with. And you drop the belts to them. And then on top of that, the Young Bucks get turned on by Adam Cole and the rest of uh, Red Dragon with Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, which doesn't matter anymore because they're going to be gone for a while. And one of them gone forever in Bobby Fish. They turned on the Young Bucks, basically making them baby faces. And then that that's never resolved or it's not even mentioned at all. And then they get into this random trios tournament that they start because Kenny Omega is returning. And I know Tony Khan had mentioned that whenever Kenny Omega returned, that they wa- that's when they wanted to introduce the the three man belt, right, the tag team belt. But I'm like, man, couldn't th- this could have waited? Like, you didn't have to really do the tournament right now. You could have still had this huge tag team match between FTR and the Young Bucks for the AEW World Title. And then eventually do the the trios tag. You want to turn the Young Bucks baby faces in? Cool. But I think FTR deserve that spot. And yes, they're still on the card on Sunday. But they're in a match that's not even really high profile. And they deserved it. They earned it. And the Young Bucks, for those of you that don't know, are executive vice presidents behind the scenes. And I'm sure they've got influence with Tony Khan and they were like, get us out of this situation storyline wise. Now if they end up paying it back at some point, 
whatever. But I think they're going in this direction with the trios belts where they're not even going to really be involved with the tag titles anymore, the regular tag titles. And it's like that's to me that's real shitty because the way it was presented was like it was leading that way, and then all of a sudden like things just switched around. Well, it's because Kenny's coming back. Okay, you could still go that route, but wait a little bit. Like you have a good enough card here, even if you take off the finals of the trios tournament. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know. Backstage politics is real in every workplace. You know, there's people that you're not going to get along with, people that you don't want to see shine more than you, or vice versa. Um, and yeah, I think that's a real thing here. And I know that'll never be admitted. And especially like the internet marks and the journalists that love the young bucks will just say, Oh no, no, this was always the plan. Like, shut up. Come on. Come on. The plan was always to drop the tag titles to randomly Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, who were kind of like, they were at odds with each other to begin with. And then all of a sudden, no, no, they're tag team. They're cohesive. Like, shut up. Come on. FTR deserved this big moment at All Out, and now they won't get it. But I'm glad that they're still super over with the crowd. They're the best tag team in all of professional wrestling. They're they're incredible. They'll still continue to do the work. And I don't want to hear this shit. Well, they have all these other belts. Yeah, but all those other belts are for another company that don't matter. They're in AEW, right? That's the company that they work for. They should be the tag champions for that company. Or at least have a match for the belts. A high-profile tag team match. But whatever. Um, Swerving our glory retains here after all that. <laughs> uh, I don't care about this match. Um, again, this would be more entertaining if it was FTR. Because it would have meant something. Because there's a climb. There's a run. There's an... Just a tremendous run that's being made by FTR right now. And it would have paid off here with the other team if they wanted to do business. But whatever. Next up is a, a match that should have gotten more, um, you know, build up. And it, the, for the build up that it's gotten on TV, it's been pretty good. But I wish it would have gotten more because the, the guy behind the promos here has been really fantastic. And I'm talking about absolute Ricky Starks going one-on-one with Powerhouse Hobbs. Nice little betrayal story behind it. Ricky Starks with a passionate promo talking about how he thought it was his friend. You know, it's a real, you know, bring some realness to it. Like, we were buddies. You turned on me, and now I want to kick your ass. Like, it's a good old-fashioned wrestling story here. Um, this is the opportunity to really start to build Ricky Starks to something, whether it be to the TNT title or, you know, to eventually the, the world championship or whatever fucking title they have. They have so many. But those were the two that I would really focus on for him because I think he's going to be a tremendous singles talent. I know he's been doing a lot of tags with that powerhouse Hobbs guy and he was part of the team Taz, but that no longer exists. So he can just be a singles wrestler and he's got vibes of the rock in terms of how he promos, in terms of how his charisma, he's so charismatic. He's, and he's got like a pose too that he could do and the crowd could get into it. Great theme song. This guy's got all the tools to be a major player in AEW's future down the line. Not just don't blow it. Don't blow it building up this kid because you got something here. So I'm hoping they don't go with Powers House Hobbs. Starks needs to get the win here and get his revenge. Next, we got the finals of the trios, the World Trios Championship, right? Because they introduced this very last second and they did this tournament only within the last month. Again, they could have waited and they could have extended and done like a huge bracket of teams. Um, 
it's going to be the elite. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, of course, are going to be in this. Uh, versus Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order, which consists of Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Um, <laughs> I mean, the last two matches that we've gotten on Dynamite for this for this trios tournament. Um, I'll go back to what was it? It was Death Triangle, Pac, Phoenix, and uh, Pentagon. Versus uh, Aussie Open with Will Ospreay from New Japan Pro Wrestling. That match was fucking insane. Like, that should have been the final, right? It was just an incredible high-flying full-speed match that I've ever seen in my life. I'm sure there's been more faster matches. But in terms of what I've seen, that was one of the fastest matches I've ever seen with so much athleticism and all that stuff. But the reason they're giving us this match is because it's about the long story, folks. But the thing is... It's not drawing. Nobody gives a shit. And the story that they're trying to tell here is of the elite with Omega and the Bucks and Adam Page. And you go back to when Hangman Page was winning the belt and the horrible acting job by the Young Bucks during the whole build to this was just freaking awful. And I know they have their little YouTube show and I liked it for a while, but then it's like it got just too ridiculous. So I don't even watch it anymore. Even though AEW exists, like I don't even watch it to because I'm there's some continuity with some of the stuff that happens on that show that bleeds into the actual wrestling product. But for the most part, it's you don't really have to watch it. But if you care about that little group and the the whole friendship, frenemies thing between the the elite and Hangman, like that's the story they're trying to pay off here. Now, where they want to go with it, I don't know. I don't care. I feel like it was paid off already when Hangman beat Omega for the belt, but... I guess the the real big payoff is for all of them to reunite as friends, you know, kind of be like, oh, DX is getting we're getting the band back together, but it, it's not a draw. Like I look at the ratings every week for this, and it's not like they're not drawing. The Young Bucks don't draw, and they've been putting themselves in the main event with Omega, who returned, and that's supposed to be a big deal. But you know, Kenny Omega kind of lost steam with me. You know, I like him more as a single competitor without the Young Bucks and the Elite, where he's he's not a cartoon character and he can just be the freaking terminator cleaner character guy where he's just a badass wrestler um i don't like him being with the young bucks because he's just a goof and especially when he's got a don Callis as his mouthpiece like ugh, he's just a total goofball and i'm turned off by all of it i'm turned off by this whole storyline i really don't care who's gonna win but i know it's probably gonna be kenny omega and the young bucks like that's why this tournament was made they wanted to introduce these belts once omega was cleared to return and he was just cleared to return recently. That's why they brought this in. They're going to make them the champs and, you know, whatever. They're going to win it. I don't care. Sorry, folks. I know the Young Bucks are favorites of a lot of y'alls. So is Kenny Omega. I just think they're completely overrated. Not Omega in terms as a single competitor. When he's really on and he doesn't have that goofiness around, he's fucking amazing. But when you put him with the Young Bucks and it turns into a cartoon and... Uh, you know, they're dressing up like Ghostbusters on, on the Halloween edition of Dynamite. Get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, they're going to win, but whatever. Now we come to the main event of the show. And you think I would be full-on excited for it. But the truth is, they I think they botched the build to this. It's John Moxley versus CM Punk for the AEW World Championship. Now it's John Moxley, the champ, defending against CM Punk. Like, CM Punk's not the champion anymore. Let me give you some context if you haven't been seeing what's going on. So CM Punk won the title the end of May, right at the beginning of June, I believe, at Double or Nothing against 
Hangman Page was the right winner. He should have gone over. CM Punk is your biggest star. Put the belt on him. Strap the rocket. Let's go. Uh, unfortunately for CM Punk, he broke his foot for real. Uh, so again, he didn't really relinquish the championship. They created an interim world title, which they ended up putting on John Moxley. And John Moxley, he's good. He's a good enough character, but he's also been the champion. Also, he's had his time to to run as as the AEW uh, world champion and being able to carry the company on his back. So he's been running through this whole summer as the interim champion. They've been they even call him that interim champion, interim champion. CM Punk will be back at some point. They're going to unite the belts. Um, CM Punk finally makes his return on Dynamite I want to say mid-August probably um, and here we go right like that's that's all you need as the build right John Moxley the interim champion who's been tearing through the roster all summer long it's been his his season you got CM Punk the returning champion who never lost but also like never had a chance to defend you know, you're going to unify the championship. That's the, the main event. That's all you need for the build. Do promos back and forth. Or I'm going to kick your ass or, you know, take personal shots, whatever. That's your whole build. But instead, what they did here was they decided to move the matchup early, which was, I think, what, two weeks ago on Dynamite. And you build it up as this huge thing like, oh, shit, you're going to give away this huge pay-per-view match on television. Well, damn, what's going to be the main event of All Out if it's not going to be this? Like, you can't give this away and, like, you know, then you better have something good up your sleeve for that. They do the match. ends up being a squash. Um, and John Moxley wins the championship. CM Punk gets made to look like a fool a little bit. But they play the injury angle of him possibly hurting his foot. But it turns out he didn't really hurt his foot. He just thought he did because he's dealing with a lack of self-confidence because... You know, he got this surgery and he doesn't know if he still got it and all this stuff. Like all this very underdog type of stuff, which would have been okay if it was a normal build. Like maybe if he was still chasing the championship, but he was already the champion. Like, isn't that good enough to build to your main event? Like that's going to sell your pay-per-view folks. But now they did this and they're going to have the rematch, right? Like it's going to happen, right? Because... Some guy named Ace Steel had to come and, uh, you know, had to hype up CM Punk to get him out of his little funk and say that he's going to fight John Moxley, who put out an open contract for the belt, and nobody jumped at it, but CM Punk signed it, and that's the match. So it was going to be the main event anyway. So then why did you do this? Like, I don't know. I just felt very cheated as a fan um, because your build was perfect. The interim champion versus the actual champion. Who's the best? You know, you're going to unify the belts. Don't cheapen it by doing that. I know it's something different, but it's also you cheat all of us out of an actual great match that you built up that was going to be on television, and that's not what happened. And all the diehards that are defending it, like, oh, yeah, just wait to see how it plays out. But, like, you cheapen the build. Like, don't do that. If WWE had done something like this, you would shit all over it. Don't even lie for a second. You totally would. I don't know. That kind of took it out of it for me a little bit. But it's still CM Punk. It's still in Chicago. It's still the main event. I'm still expecting him to win the AEW World Championship because that was supposed to be the whole summer anyway. CM Punk was supposed to have his championship run. Now, for how long, I don't know. But I think 
Tony Khan is all about sticking with plans. Um, so I think he's going to have CM Punk have his championship reign for the rest of the year. Now, I think it should go on for longer than that until AEW like just gets, continues to build its ratings because, like I said, I look at the ratings every week. CM Punk is the biggest draw. And second to that is like Brian Danielson. So those are your two biggest stars right there for drawing power. You can add in Jericho on there too. Um, those are the guys that you need to like for sure either be in contention or always be like close to contention for that championship. So, you know, CM Punk should win here. I like John Moxley, but he's had his time to run as champion. Same thing with Drew McIntyre, even though he didn't get to do it in front of a crowd too. But John Moxley's also had this whole summer to be the champion. So he, he's had his, his, uh, his second run, so to speak already. So, um, CM Punk is your number one guy. You got to roll with that. This is a business at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Like as much as people were like, Oh, hangman had impatient and lost the belt then. What are you talking about? He had like a five month reign, but also he wasn't driving ratings. Like you got, you got to think business wise. CM Punk is the draw of your company. You don't know how much you're going to have him for because he's up there in age. But while you do have him as your champion, have him as your number one baby face that could drive business, merch sales, ticket sales, all of that jazz. He's the guy. So you got to strap him and you got to put the rocket on him and, and see where he takes the company. You know, and there's plenty of dream matches down the road with, with CM Punk, with Danielson, with Omega, with Adam Cole, you know, whoever, Ricky Starks, you know, Punk is, is all about, um, working with the young guys too. He's mentioned Ricky Starks as somebody he's wanted to work with. So maybe we can see that down the road, but, uh, I, I don't know. The build has just been squandered a little bit for me, but does that take away my excitement for the match? No, because it's still CM Punk. He's still my favorite wrestler in the world. But man, did they do him wrong by this build? I, I just think it was a, it was a botch to me. But you know, everyone, a lot of people are going to defend it. That's their opinion. I can give my opinion too. I didn't like it. And that's AEW All Out airing Sunday on pay per view, standard pay per view, or if you're a streamer, you can buy on the Bleacher Report app or Fight TV. There's many ways you can watch it, but don't be shut out because I think, you know, despite all the criticism, I've been more critis, I've been criticizing AEW more than WWE as of late, but I think they're fair. I'm still super excited for the show. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, don't, don't, don't let this turn into like I'm an anti, like, against this show. Like, why would I spend $50 and just be complaining the whole time? Like, no, I'm going to spend my money on this show and enjoy it like a good wrestling fan. But, I can be fair and criticize the stuff that I don't think they're getting right. Doesn't mean I'm going to throw a hissy fit over it. Except the FTR stuff. That that stuff is just ridiculous. But, you know, I'm not going to get too heated over it. But Clash of the Castle, Saturday, tomorrow, during the day. So it'll be over early. That's awesome for us. They should do that more. <laughs> uh, but the pay-per-views are going to be on Saturday for the rest of the year. So good job on that, WWE. And then AEW will be Sunday night. Uh, it'll be a great way to end the weekend. If it ends right, if it ends with CM Punk as champion, it's all, it's all downhill from there, but it'll, it'll at least put me in a happy mood at work during the week. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, Cobra Kai is coming next week, so you'll see reviews on that, reviews on Barbarian, and then we'll draw closer to Don't Worry Darling. 
And then eventually we'll get hit to October. The SM Football Marks is coming. Football is one week away. Our season premiere show is going to be on the road in Dallas. As I will be heading up there with Abraham Tedavino as we see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Dallas Cowboys at Jerry World on opening Sunday night football. So that's exciting for this guy right here because this could be possibly the last year of Tom Brady's career. So I'm going to relish every single game that he plays this year because even though he hasn't said this is the end, uh, I kind of feel like it is. So got to savor that. Again, the season three premiere of the SM Football Marks is coming on the road next weekend as we head to the opener in Dallas with the Bucks and Cowboys and the rest of the NFL. You get all of our thoughts, everything NFL. We don't just talk Cowboys because, you know, that's what Abe likes to talk about. No, I like to talk about all the NFL, everything that's going on. So don't worry, folks. You'll get your whole NFL fix, not just Cowboy shit. Hangman page, that ain't Cowboy shit. Whatever, I've ranted too long, folks. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find this podcast on basically any platform that you can think of. Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Uh, subscribe. Give me good ratings. Uh, I, I appreciate you all so much. Thank you all for tuning in. And for all you wrestling diehards this weekend, just enjoy the shows, guys. Just enjoy that we're getting this much great wrestling this weekend. So take it easy, guys. Have a great rest of your weekend.